There's so many different steps to get you to the job. Basically, you have consider always you have a hundred people applying for that job, and you need to go to the uh, qualifying, the quarterfinals, the semifinals, the finals, and then you get the job. It's always like that. It is a competition. Each step of the way requires a different type of uh, strength and understanding of the recruitment and selection process, and that's what I try to teach. Hi, I'm Renata Bernardi, and this is the Job Hunting Podcast, where I interview experts and professionals and discuss issues that are important for job hunters and those who are working to advance their careers. So make sure that you subscribe and follow, and let's dive right in. Hello, everyone. A few weeks ago, I recorded a live Facebook session on my Facebook page. And on that session, I answered seven questions um, and it's today's podcast. So I am sharing with you a live session um, where those questions I thought were really good and I didn't want to waste the opportunity to share them here on this podcast with you. So we're giving our interviews and guests a break this week and it's just me talking the quality of the sound is so-and-so because it was live. So apologies for that. But the questions are really good, I think. Um, so thank you for everyone who contacts me, asks me questions, sends me questions. And if you're not yet a member of the Facebook group, um, this podcast has a Facebook group. So I would recommend that you join. There will be a link to the Facebook group on the uh, show notes below. Or you just go to Facebook, type the Job Hunting Podcast and you shall find it there. My Facebook page is my name, Renata Bernardi, and the live sessions there are public. So everybody can go to the videos on that Facebook page and watch previous sessions. Um, inside the group, everything is kept private. In fact, I have office hours inside that Facebook group every now and then. Um, so you can hop in and have a chat with me. Um, and I think that that's a great opportunity. It's free. So if you are on a budget and you need career advice, it's a great way to get in touch with me and ask your burning questions. But before we get this episode going, I want to let you know that the wait is over and reset your career is back, my friends. If you've been procrastinating about starting your job search, if lockdown has slowed you down, maybe you're just bored or maybe the job hunting you're doing is not converting into jobs or you're looking for accountability, someone to get you back on track. Our new revamped Reset Your Career program is open for enrollments. I will personally take you through the step-by-step -step of how to reset your career and start getting your job search plans into gear during a one-day workshop which is happening on the 27th of October from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time. If that day and that time does not suit you, it will be recorded. It will be available for you on the um, Reset Your Career online platform. You can go there anytime on any device, listen, watch, download, do whatever you want with it. All the slide decks will be there. All the documents and templates that we share will be there. 
And in addition to that workshop and all the sessions from that workshop, we have the revamped 31 days of actions to reset your career. If you haven't been following me since last year, I ran reset your career and the 31 days of actions between December and January as a way for people to reset, you know, the New Year's Eve resolution and people getting anxious when it gets towards the end of the year and you haven't achieved everything that you had planned to do. The researcher career uh, was born and designed for that purpose, but I don't want to wait until December. I think we pretty much had enough of 2020, to be honest. And I think many of you have your career derailed by COVID. So I thought it was time to start now. And the best thing about the 2020 version of Reset Your Career is that we will have recruiters involved. There will be a session, which is a panel of recruiters sharing with you insight and information about what they're dealing with, what recruiters and employers want to see from job candidates and what they are seeing in the job market. And sharing that intelligence with candidates is so important, as we know from listening to the interviews this year in this um, job hunting podcast of yours. So don't waste any time. Go to my website, renatabernardi.com and register. We have a very low cost solution this year because it's 2020 and because I want to make this as available as I possibly can. And um, I can't wait to start. I can't wait. In fact, when you register, um, you are giving access to the online platform and you can start the 31 days of action even before the 27th of October, if you are so inclined. So let's do this. And I can't wait to see you on the inside. But now without further ado, let's do this podcast and see all the questions from a few weeks ago from the live Facebook coaching session. And I can't wait for the Reset Your Career workshop and to answer even more questions from everyone. So like I said, we are going to go through seven questions, but let me start by saying hello from Melbourne. My name is Renata Bernardi. I'm a career coach. I'm specialized in job hunting and strategies to get you to your next job. And I love doing that. I'm the host of the Job Hunting Podcast, and I'm here today to answer a few questions that I got over the course of the past two weeks. And I get them via DMs, messages, emails, conversations, um, LinkedIn messages, and so on. So I have seven great questions to share with you, and I'm going to answer them one by one and give tips and advice. And then if you stick around until the end, I have also a, a tip about job hunting that I want to share with you. But most importantly, now that you're here and you know what I do, if you haven't yet subscribed or followed me, please do so. Wherever you found me, just click that button, subscribe and follow. And wherever you found me, there will be some notes that accompany the video or audio. And 
in those notes, you will see that there's a link to um, subscribe to my newsletter. And if you subscribe to my newsletter, it reaches every Tuesday morning, Melbourne time, and it comes with a new episode of the Job Hunting Podcast and a whole bunch of other goodies, articles that I curate specially for my followers and so on. So um, if you're watching this live, and thank you for watching live, please check out my website later on and find me wherever you are, whichever platform you're doing this live session with me. And make sure that you subscribe to that newsletter because any bonus, any freebies, anything that I do, I usually give that to my subscribers first. Okay. All right. So let's get going. First question. It's a good one. Back when I last applied for jobs, resumes were written um, with objective and summary of qualifications. So she's talking or he's talking about the headings. But now I am seeing resumes with profile summary, career summary, skills, competency sections. So again, different headings. Which resume do employers prefer? Okay, so... Ah, uh, as a career coach, I really struggle to talk about resumes because my reach is global and you could be anywhere in the world. <laughs> and for me, it's really tricky to talk about resumes because each country, each region has its own best practices. For example, resumes in America are very short. Resumes in Australia are very long. And again, as the person asking the question uh, is positioning, uh, which resumes do employers prefer, depending on your sector, employers have different quirks and preferences as well. So when I'm working with a coaching client, I'm usually really tailoring that resume to the sector, the region, the industry, the company, if, if it's a startup-y sort of more modern company or more of a bricks and mortar traditional company, I really tailor even the style and the narrative, the tone of the resume to that as well. So you need to be very open to uh, receiving that environmental feedback so that you adjust your resume. But here are a few tips from me. So follow your country's best practice for style, length, and formatting. So find a template that is country specific. Sometimes recruiters, so um, organizations that do recruitment in your country, they may have a template available here in Australia, seek.com, which is a website where you can search for jobs. They have a template, and I know that many recruitment companies have templates on their websites as well. Even some large employers, employers that you know recruit very regularly, have templates on their websites as well. So see if you can find a template for your country. But again, if you are applying for a job in a different country, so for example, I have a client who's just applied for a job in the US, then her Australian resume, which is five pages long, is not really appropriate for the job she's applying for in America. So you need to kind of uh, make adjustments there. But what I strongly recommend in my second dot point here for you is that you have a master document, one that really is your archival information and you keep that, you don't change that. I mean, you change that, you update it, 
but you keep that to yourself. And then every time you're applying for a new job, you save that in a different file, let's say a Word doc or a Google doc document. You um, name it with the job application that you're doing. So let's say you're applying for a job at Amazon. It would be today is 2020.10.09. So I'm doing this session on the 10th of September and Amazon. Okay, so then you will have a new version for you of your resume and you will make sure that you are um, doing the best possible version of your resume for that job, for that employer, for that country, industry, and so on. It sounds like a lot of work, but you know what? If you have a great uh, master document, it's super easy, you guys. You have to have a great master document to begin with, and that's the trick. If you have a great master document, it becomes really easy to make adjustments for different job applications. So what you do then is you avoid generic language. That's the best thing. More important than the, the headings and all of that is making sure your sentences have real meaning and they convey what you actually do and how you do it. And not they're not just a jumbo of jargons in generic corporate language. Please avoid that. It's so really frustrating for anybody to read LinkedIn or resumes that are just a jumble of things that means nothing. So to know that you have great transferable skills means nothing or you have 15 years of executive experience. It means nothing. You have to find what it is that is your superpower that you can hit the ground running and help them with. Um, also, I have two pieces of, I mean, I have a lot of content <laughs> free to you, you know, the podcast episode and the live coaching sessions from previous months that you can scroll back and, and, and read and, and watch. But there are two that I think you should have a look. It's episode 35 of the Job Hunting Podcast, Recruitment Trends Shaping the Job Market in 2020. That's with Anita Zimmer. She's the managing director of a recruitment company here in Australia, but they have global partners. So she's really talking, you know, very globally about the trends. And then immediately after that episode, I did a live coaching session and it was the three ways to improve your resume. Tips from a recruiter, Anita, and a career coach, myself. So I will have those two links in the recording of this session later on for you. Okay. Okay. Second question. I've outgrown my position and there is so much stress at my workplace now. I hear you. I have decided to look for a new job after working over 10 years. Can you please provide some advice when looking for a job while employed? Oh, yes. Yes, indeed. <laughs> I have done an episode on this with the Job Hunting Podcast. It's one of my earliest episodes because I have seen so many people do the bridge, you know, burning situation at work while applying for jobs and being fully employed. And it's really tricky. It's episode number seven, my friend, how to attend a job interview when you work full time. So it's kind of specific about job interviews, but it's broader than that, right? Like you want to change jobs and you're looking for a job, but you have a full time job. So what do you do? 
So go and listen to that episode number seven. I will put the link on Facebook now because we are live and there are people watching and I want to make sure that you have what you need to take action ASAP. And But I'll give you a few tips and ideas now. First of all, you need to find the time to do good job applications. Usually when you have a job that's, you know, intense and stressful, when you have a position and work to do, you tend to put a lot of effort into it and then you get home and you have stuff to do at home, you end up being overwhelmed and never having the time to actually look for work or when you do it, you do it like a you don't do a pretty good job, quite frankly. So I know people that come to me for coaching that have been trying to, you know, find a job for many years. You have to apply the 70-30 rule. You need to step back from your full-time job a little bit and find the time within your day to actually invest in yourself and your career. You know, and when people are coming to me for coaching, I ask them that. Are you ready to take a step back from your full-time job and not give 150%, give 70% of yourself so you can not only pay me as a coach and invest financially in me, but also find energy and time within your day to invest in yourself because I'm not a miracle worker. <laughs> I'm not going to find you a job. I'm going to give you tools and resources and skills so you can find the job. And we are a team and I will support you along the way. But you need to, to have that. And some clients like, yes, let's do this. And they step back a little bit. No one notices, by the way. Um, they continue you know, do a great job at work, they meet all their deadlines, they, they prioritize everything that is important, but they, they take some time to themselves and they find the time, you know, to, to apply for jobs with energy and enthusiasm. And some clients never come back to me. <laughs> and, you know, prospect clients say, oh, okay, oh, I, I can't do that. You know, I just don't know how to do that. I don't know how to step back. And those are the people who are not going to advance in their careers, quite frankly, because it takes you effort. You have to have the time and the effort. One of the things that people sometimes misunderstand is the mentoring of their managers within the realm of their job and what they need to do within their the, the job and the responsibilities and their charter within the organization. And sometimes they have a great relationship with their manager because their manager has been mentoring them and coaching them and, and just really being really supportive of them within that um, job. And then they tell them that they want another job and the manager doesn't like that at all. <laughs> gets really upset and it spoils the relationship then you don't get a job and you don't have the support of your manager anymore and I've seen that happen over and over again so you don't have to tell your manager in fact having been a manager myself it's really tricky for me when um, in the past one somebody who worked 
from me told me they were leaving. Because if I had an opportunity, if I had um, to take somebody on a conference overseas with me or interstate, or if I had a project to give that was six months long or eight months long, I wouldn't give that person the project, would I? Because I know that that person was looking for work externally and applying for jobs and I needed somebody I could count on long term. So I, you know, it, it's really tricky. And again, if that's that said to you confidentia, in, in confidence, I can't not tell my boss, right? Like it just puts you in all sorts of pickles. So I prefer that my clients don't share that they are looking for work and that they do that confidentially and they um, still meet their targets, still meet their KPIs at work. But instead of giving it 150%, they step back so that they can invest in their careers. I have clients that, you know, that I'm still working with them that over deliver all the time. It's their thing, you know, it's their, they see it as a strength. You know, if, if a, a boss tells them you have a week to do this, they do it the next day, right? Now, if you continuously do that, all you're doing is giving yourself more and more work in, within your job and not having ever the time to invest in your career. Um, and before you apply for work, if that's what you want, if you've outgrown your position, it's too stressful, you're ready for another job, remember that changing jobs is still stressful in itself. So make the most out of that opportunity. Develop a purpose career plan, something that really will count. If you're making that change, make it count. Make that moving count. Invest your time in developing a good career plan for yourself. And even if that means, you know, hiring somebody like me for an hour or two just to help you reflect on that. I mean, people go to doctors when they're sick or when they have issues or mental health issues. They go to a counselor when you're making such a big change in your career, why not develop that plan with somebody who can support you? I really think it's, you know, worth it. That's why I have my one-on-one, -on -one, you know, hour, an hour and a half long bookings that people can come in and just get that support when they need it, just to bounce back some ideas, workshop some ideas to make sure that they are moving in the right direction. So consider doing that. Book a consultation with me. It's a good investment. <laughs> I think it is. You know, if you're changing jobs, make sure that you're doing the best possible future proofing of your career. Okay, third question. In your videos, you always look so nice. Oh, thanks. Oh, I've read this before, but I forgot. <laughs> and I don't know what I'm doing wrong with my videos. Yes, any advice? Okay, yeah, that is true. Okay, look, I put a lot of effort into this. If you look at my first videos, you will see they weren't as nice. But now it's all Zoom, isn't it? I'm in Melbourne lockdown. This is our six weeks, six week of lockdown. There two more to go at least if not more <laughs> so um everything is about zoom skype webex google hangouts microsoft meets vmix calls i'm naming all of the platforms that i have been using and you have to first of all be familiar with all of those platforms if you're a job hunting if you're you know um 
reconnecting with your network, which is another question that we have here, you have to hit the ground running with those platforms. Download them to your, your computer, desktop, phone, everything. Make sure that you are comfortable using them. One thing that I have, uh, it's a tip that I have for you, and it happened to a friend of mine last night. I was chairing a, a session with Rotary. My friend was emceeing it, and she couldn't emcee it. Somebody else had to take her uh, role because her camera didn't work. And one thing that I have done with my cameras, because I have three cameras here in my setup, is I disabled two of them. Because sometimes you go into a different setup, you know, you're using Zoom and you go to, let's say, WebEx, which I use a lot with some of my clients, and it doesn't pick up the, my preferred camera. It picks it picks up a different camera. It happens with Ticker TV as well a couple of times because I do some TV interviews, and they, I've done all the setup with this camera here, and it picks up the camera from my laptop, which is low resolution and terrible, and it really annoys me. So I disabled some of the other cameras so that it always picks up this camera here that I want. Um, and the other thing that I would recommend is for you to have the lighting behind it. So if I put my glasses on, you can see I have a ring light. Now that ring light costs you $50 on Amazon, I think. You can buy them very cheaply these days. Um, but you don't need even to have that. You can go to Ikea and buy a light that sits behind your camera. That's all you need. Or if you're lucky with your house, you can put your camera in front of your window and not behind it. So my window is here, unfortunately, and it just wouldn't be a good setup for me. So the ring light, and, and this is actually quite a, a dark room normally. The other thing is the background. Some backgrounds are not very good and we weren't ready for working from home arrangements. So we need some time to figure out what we're going to do in the future. But ideally you would find, you know, if, if you're going to work from home from now on, especially if you're job hunting and you're in between you have to find a space that you, you know, call your own. <laughs> Let, you know, move the kids away, you know, ask the dog to move away as well, the cats and all, and, and make it look professional. Showcasing to your future employers and your network that you can work from home and work remotely in a professional manner and represent the organization professionally from home is really important. It's really important. Think about it. If they hire you, you will be KPMG working from home. You will be Amazon working from home. You will be the Victorian government working from home. I kid you not. That's what's happening today. So your background is important. Many organizations now are coming up with those um, screens. So I just received one for Rotary and we're a not-for-profit volunteering organization. And if I'm doing a Rotary event now, I have to use the background to the screen, which I, per I personally do not like. I think it's, you know, it's too bland and too vanilla. I don't like that, but some organizations will probably do that because they need to have that look and feel and that branding 
uh, that's consistent throughout. And I understand it. I understand Rotary's point of view. I'm with it, so I'm using it. But I think if you can showcase your professionalism and have a good background is really important too. And look, sometimes the, if you have a great background, if you have good lighting, if you have good sound that's crisp, I have a great microphone that was the cheapest microphone for podcasting and it's still considered one of the best. This is Samsung QRU, I think it's called. It's very good, um, but it's super cheap. Before I had a $12 lapel that I've done probably my first 20 podcasts with that one. It's still very good. Um, as long as you have a great crisp sound, I think you should you should be fine. So make sure that you do that. And many times I, I'm not even wearing any makeup. And I know women struggle with that, you know, with uh, the Zoom calls and interviews and think that they have to put a lot of makeup on. I hardly ever wear any makeup these days. Uh, and I, just the lighting and the setup just does it for me. Okay. Um, okay. We're going very slowly, aren't we? Let's go question number three now. Okay. In your videos. Oh no, that's, that was question number three. Now let's go for question number four. There is not, there are not a lot of jobs in my country. Should I be looking for jobs overseas? That is a very interesting question and I'm so glad it came up. Okay, there are many ways to see this question and not knowing the person or what they do is hard for me to give specific advice. But here we go. Many countries have border restrictions these days. Okay, so if you are applying for a job in Australia, chances are you, the recruiters won't even see your profile or resume because it will be months and months before you're let in. Our um, work visas have been cancelled. United States is the same. Many other countries have done the same. However, it could be that you can work remotely. And if that's the case, then it is likely that those jobs will be advertised in your country as well. And then you can apply for them um, as, rem as a remote worker. So if you go to LinkedIn and you search for jobs on LinkedIn, there is now a tick for remote work. Okay. And I would then recommend that you try that. It's kind of new, but try that and see what comes up. Because that means if it work is remote, theoretically, you can do that anywhere. Uh, but having said that, there could be HR issues as well. So, for example, if you're doing remote work in South Africa and the organization is based in Australia, there would be occupational health and safety issues that the organization in Australia would have to do to make sure that, you know, your workplace is safe, that you have everything that you need in your office, that you're covered by insurance. And frankly, some organizations are not ready yet for that. So... Look, ideally, look for a job in your home country. But of course, if there aren't many jobs in your home country and you have specific skills that are suitable for uh, remote work, for work with organizations that are not based in your country, based overseas, and they can see the value in having somebody like 
you on the ground. I think that's the other thing that's interesting. So for example, let's say, let's use this example that you're based in South Africa and this organization can't reach South Africa anymore because the borders are shut, right? So you have an advantage because you're based in South Africa. You can help them there. So why not get in touch with organizations that may have been struggling with reaching your country and see if they need help on the ground? That's another way of looking for work overseas, but actually being their agent on a, on, in your country. I think I, that's the best way of putting it. So we, it's such strange times, and that's the best advice that I can think of for you. But I know I know it's tough. So, you know, hang in there. And I have lots of clients in the same situation because I have clients overseas. Not all my clients are based in Australia. I am in Australia, if you don't know, <laughs> but I have clients overseas. And I have Australian clients that have recently gotten jobs overseas. And one of them will be doing her job. Well, she's not a client. She's a friend. She'll be doing her job in Australia for the time being until she's able to move. The other uh, person I can think of was a guest um, in this podcast and Mo, Mohit Bagava, you remember him, um, the CMO, Top 50 CMO podcast we had a few months ago. He got a job overseas and he texted me this week to say, I'm at the airport, I'm flying. And <laughs> finally, it took him months and months before he was able to take up the job and you know, go to Malaysia to do the new job he, he got a few weeks before COVID started. But yeah, it's tricky. It's very tricky. Okay. Question number five. How do you network in lockdown? Tricky, isn't it? How do you network? I don't know where you are, right? But I am here. Tell me where you are, you know, in, um, in comments here on the live on Instagram or Facebook. I'm in Melbourne. And if you don't know, we are on a very strict lockdown in Melbourne. So it's six weeks since I have been able to m move away from five kilometers from my house, right? And I can only go out to go shopping in the supermarket for groceries or go to the chemist or go take a COVID test, <laughs> a swab, or a one-hour exercise outside. That is it. I can only go out for one hour. So, friends, it's been tough. My son lives in Melbourne and I haven't seen him for months. Can you imagine? My, my youngest son lives with us, so I see him more often, but he has a partner on the other side of town and, and he's the only exception to the rules, many, many rules. He can actually visit his partner because he's in a, in a long-term relationship. So, yeah, he, he comes here and goes there, so he's in between the two houses. So he's one of the lucky people that can move around. But he tells me, like, when he's driving to his partner's place that it's complete the, the the city is completely empty there's no one there all the shops are closed so having said that life goes on right so how do you network when you are in shutdown and lockdown like we are here in the state of victoria i do a lot of events 
So for example, I'm currently in a incubator program with Monash University. It's actually a validator. So I'm validating some of my products and ideas. There are a hundred people doing that program. I was on the phone with a lovely woman who is doing that program, but she's also um, interested in coaching. And we were talking and I, she was explaining to me that she has um, a side project. She's doing you know, a specific type of ice cream that she wants to then see if it's a viable product. That's why she's doing the validator program. That's how you network. I also do, when I'm in a... Um, zoom meeting with lots of people i see what they're commenting and i and how they're positioning themselves and those that are really interesting i immediately on my second screen i go to linkedin and i connect with them or twitter if they you know if i feel that twitter is a better connection for them so this week um i i saw a great presentation i did a conference with victorian government as part of the digital innovation festival which i also presented uh, had four live events during that festival there was a full day conference and one of the presenters an american woman was just fantastic and i just straight to linkedin and Twitter followed her and thanked her for the presentation. And that's how you connect. I have a great email template for um, job hunters to connect with recruiters who may not have a job advertised, but they are specific recruiters that are great for their sector. So let's say you are in mining and this recruiter just they're specialized in mining executives and they don't have any jobs advertised at the moment but you think it's a good idea to connect with this person specifically and you want to introduce yourself this email is for that it serves that purpose but you can also adjust the language to introduce yourself to people on linkedin and ask for connection um, you can send it to a hiring manager in an organization so i will put the link here so that you can uh, download this document and make use of it i it's the document i've used over and over again for many years it has for me Personally, because I adapted every time and I've tailored it at every time, I always had a 100% success rate with it for me personally. My clients have been using it and they've been very successful with it as well, both adapting it to LinkedIn uh, connections or emails. So, yeah, I'm pretty confident it will help you. Okay, another one, number six. I was made redundant and my package included outplacement services. The outplacement service, their advice to us, mostly senior executives, is to forget about 2020 and start looking for work in 2021. I've been watching your podcast and reading your post and it seems to have a different view. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was the question. Yes, I do have a different view. Oh boy. I think telling somebody who needs a job, okay, redundancies. Some people get great packages and they get quite a lot of money. If they've been with an organization for 15, 20 years, accumulated leave, they have like, you know, it's, it may be a good time for you to take some time off. 
Maybe you've been working all your life and you've never take, taken time off, right? Take time off. Good. I think, you know, it's wonderful. It's a pity that your time off would be, you know, if you're in Melbourne, staying home and going nowhere. But personally, I think it's not a good time to take time off at all. Not a good time. First of all, because you can't go anywhere. None of those bucket list things that you could do, you know, go around the world, visit Europe, go on a cruise, <laughs> skydive. You can't do anything, right? So you're basically stuck at home. And we are living in unprecedented times. It's turbulent times. It's VUCA world. It's volatility, uncertainty. As a senior executive and a leader that you are, if you're in an outplacement uh, organization um, and your former employer has invested that in you, you have the responsibility, if you want to keep advancing in your career and having an executive leadership role, to understand the market, to understand where we're going, and to position yourself as the leader for 2021 and beyond, the best way to do that is to keep connected and keep your network and apply for jobs. If you don't get your jobs, that is absolutely fine. But by being with the finger on the pulse of what's going on will be the best way for you to understand what's happening with the world. And it will be the best way for you to quickly pivot and adjust your pitch and your message to make sure that you are positioning yourself as a leader for tomorrow. Because chances are you're coming with your old habits, bricks and mortar, you know, growth and great certainty in the markets and all of that. And this dynamic situation that we are living in right now requires a different set of skills. Those conversations that you're having with recruiters and headhunters in your network will keep you abreast of what's happening. And you need to be really top of mind of people when they have the budget and they have the right positions and they know exactly what they need to keep their businesses going. And that will happen very soon. And when it happens, if you're top of mind, you will be the first person that they call. So wait a few more years before you go and do your bucket list with your redundancy package. Right now, Take the time and invest in being a thought leader for the future, a thought leader for these turbulent times. Um, find your connections, reconnect with them, position yourself as somebody who can hit the ground running and support them as a C-level or head of or a senior executive managing tough, challenging projects that will have to start in the next couple of months to get us all out of this mayhem that we find ourselves in the corporate sector, public sector, and so on. So no way, Jose, no time to rest. The good thing about uh, being in quarantine like I am is that I actually am sleeping better, you know. <laughs> you, you sleep better, you don't have to commute, but, you know, once you start working in your home office, make the most out of it. And if you are keen, I don't know who asked me this question, but if you're following me, 
book a time to talk to me. If you go to my website, contacts, there's a 30-minute call there and I'd be happy to talk to you. Um, it's free. It's my first 30-minute uh, discovery call, which is available to everyone. All you need to do is go and book your time and talk to me and I'd love to help you and yeah, see if I can do anything to support your career coaching progress. All right. What do I do? Number seven, last question. I need my breakfast. What do I do? Not getting a job. <laughs> That's why you're here. You're not getting a job. What do you do? You follow Renata Bernardi where you found me and you sign up for my newsletter. I will put the link in the uh, Facebook right now. There are several reasons why you are not getting a job. Basically, it's like if you were a tennis player, you know, if you follow me, if you don't follow me, I'll tell you, I use tennis analogies all the time. It's almost like you're saying, I'm not winning the American Cup. What do I do? Well, I don't know. It could be the backhand. It could be the forehand. It could be that you're not good at the back of the court or the front of the court. It could be that, you know, you're not, you know, you're not, your weight's not right if you're too heavy or too light you're not exercising enough you don't have the mental resiliency or the physical resiliency i don't know there's so many different steps to get you to the job basically you have consider always you have 100 people applying for that job and you need to go to the uh, qualifying the quarterfinals, the semifinals, the finals, and then you get the job. It's always like that. It is a competition. Each step of the way requires a different type of uh, strength and understanding of the recruitment and selection process. And that's what I try to teach. I teach that freely on the Job Hunting Podcast. And I teach that freely here on social media. And I teach that through my coaching, more specifically and tailored to you. So find me, follow me and see if you want to work with me. I also do link, I do LinkedIn audits, which I think are great because it's your landing page. It's your website. Your LinkedIn profile is your website. Your LinkedIn activities is what, how you're coming across to the world your leadership presence, your professional presence. That's your LinkedIn activity. And I can audit that for you and give you feedback and recommendations. So go to my website and see that, see if any of that will suit you. Okay, I promised that I would finish off with a um, tip, okay? And the tip has to do with this final question. The best candidate doesn't get the job. That's not how job hunting works, my friends. The fittest candidate gets the job. It's, it's not like job hunting is a lottery ticket where you say, I'm the lottery ticket. I'm the best person for this job. They're so lucky to have me. I'm going to apply and I'm going to get it because I just love this job so much. It's perfect for me. That's not how it happens. And... And it's really heartbreaking when you fall in love with a job position and you don't get it. But think about it this way. Sometimes we fall in love with a job and we get it. And it turns out the job is shit. So remember that when you don't get the job and you think, oh, you know, who knows? 
it could have been terrible once I got it, right? And there are so many stories, maybe in your career or somebody else that you know, that the person really wanted that job and they got the job and they started the job and all of a sudden they went, what? <laughs> so don't think about it like that. What you need to think about in terms of job hunting is that it's success after a number of failures. And each job is taking you more and more towards your preferred career future. It's stepping stones towards where you want to end up. It's a journey, right? So if you don't get a job that you really want, it's learning and it's taking you closer to your the job that you're going to get in the end. And really, it's all about you building your reputation as a great candidate, a great professional, a great executive, a great leader along the way as you are applying for these roles. Because these recruiters and these hiring managers, they need to get the best impression from you, even if you're not the best person for that specific role. It could be that you would be the best person for another role they have. Okay. It It's how it works. And sometimes, you know, I I can think there is one person that comes to my mind all the time when I think about this. I was once hiring um, and it had to be a a person that complimented me. I had a very small budget. I had a very small team. I had to be really strict to who came on board to help me with this project, which was a really important project. And I had this wonderful candidate that I really wanted to hire, but she was exactly like me, like a a younger version of me. And I knew that I couldn't hire her and it broke my heart. And I had to hire somebody else who was a perfect yin yang. You know, she was a complimentary piece of the puzzle for that project. And she had the skills that I didn't have. And it went really smoothly and perfectly. But I always think about that other candidate because she was really good too and I wish I couldn't have hired her so you have to think about that and consider that as each you know failure taking you closer to your success and you have to go through those failures to actually get you the job you want there's no thing nothing like oh I just applied and I got the job doesn't work like that You have to apply for a few jobs and learn how to be better and better at resume writing, talking to people on the phone, doing job interviews, negotiating salaries, getting the right references, you know, every little step of the way so that you then get your next job square and fairly. It's yours. All right. That's it for now. A long one today. It was so nice to be here. Don't forget to sign up, to subscribe. I can't see any questions. I can see people following. Thanks for following. If you have any questions after this, you can, if you think of any questions, just post them in the comment boxes or send me a message wherever you found me and I will answer them in the next live. Okay. Bye. Have a great day or a great evening wherever you are. 
right, that's it for now. I can't wait to share with you next week's episode. It will be an interview with Jeff Slade from the Slade Group, the founder and executive chairman of the Slade Group and the executive chairman of TransSearch, which is an executive search firm. And it will be an amazing episode not to be missed also linked to the Reset Your Career workshop that's happening on the 27th of October. So if you're keen to learn more and register for that workshop and the program that comes with it, don't forget to go to my website renatabernadi.com or check the link in the episode show notes. And I hope to see you all on the inside. Bye for now. 